It scores! Sullivan Mack, his first as a silverback. He's got Mata with a little bit of room. Mata with a low shot, tip, they scored! Chicarello! Tassi might have speed the other way. He's going to try shorthanded. Here's Simon Tassi. And all alone to the forehand. And he scores! Right back in Bennett. Is in behind the defense. Bennett to the backhand. And he scores! Hello and welcome to the final episode of 2020 for Catching Up with the Backs. This week, I have the privilege of being joined by someone who played for the Silverbacks in their inaugural season, and that is forward Andrew Ebbett. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm just, uh, it's nighttime over here in Switzerland, and uh, yeah, and good to be on with you. It's been a, it's been a while. Yes, uh, we'll talk about, we'll go back to that first season. Um, we're also, of course, going to talk about your uh, very successful 14-year professional career. You played uh, in the AHL, in the NHL, in Switzerland, represented Canada at the Olympic Games and in the Spangler Cup as well. So uh, we'll talk about all that, but I do want to know, uh, first, just tell us a little bit more. Uh, you said you're in Switzerland, of course. What have you kind of been up to uh, the past few weeks? What's the COVID situation kind of like over there? Ah, well, we're on, we're on, I guess, a lockdown light over here. It's, uh, you can still go out on the town, but there's a lot of rules and regulations in place, and we're wearing masks everywhere. And, uh, we'll find out Friday if we're going into full lockdown or not, but uh, a lot of people are hoping not. But, yeah, I'm not, uh, not playing currently right now this year, so I've just been uh, really enjoying my time over in Switzerland. It's been nice to just, for once, I, I don't have a job, so I've been doing a lot of hiking. I did some snowshoeing last weekend, and recently actually took up took up snowboarding. So I'm uh, I'm learning some uh, some new sports and and new tricks out here. What a place to learn snowboarding, though, over in Switzerland. That's probably pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Well, like I grew up in Vernon, and we I mean I lived so close to Silver Star, and, and my parents always said like no skiing, no snowboarding, just you don't want to get hurt for hockey and. I always said once I'm done playing or if I'm not playing, that's something I want to do. And so I've had a lot of fun. And yeah, I'm in the Swiss Alps. I'm, I'm 45 minutes an hour away from snowboarding up in, in the Swiss Alps. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. <laughs> awesome. Uh, let's, uh, let's go back to, I just want to start the year before you joined the Silverbacks because you played uh, for the Sycamus Eagles. You, you put up like 51 goals in 54 games there. Uh, what do you remember from your season uh, playing for the Eagles? Oh, that was so much fun. That was my first year where, you know, I, I lived away from home and I had actually graduated a year early, so I wasn't going to school. And we had, we had such a fun team there. We had uh, so many good guys. And I, I think I always tell people that I don't think I would have been where I was today without that year in Sycamus. Like that really kind of toughened me up to play a, a year in juniors and learn from the older guys how to, how to play junior hockey and how to get ready for that kind of next level. And, uh, we had a we had a great group of guys and really good team and I, I still keep in touch with probably five to ten people from Sycamus that I that I still am in contact with constantly. Wow! Uh, and now the next year, uh, Salmon Arm, the Silverbacks' first season of existence. Uh, uh, Gary Davidson and Andy Murray kind of brought the team here. W where did you fit in? Like, who got in contact with you and and just kind of brought you to the Silverbacks? Uh, I think it was mostly Gary Davidson. It's just uh, watching me in Sycamus and I think talking with the, the management and the coaches there. And I think we had a spring camp before the team was picked and I had a good, ended up having a really good weekend. And Gary said, Hey, we're, we're going to sign you. So he's like, I want to make you the, the first 
player that the Silverbacks signed, and uh, it was pretty uh, unbelievable. I would, I would think – I was talking with Prince George, and I think I'd, with my hometown team, the Vipers in Vernon, and I, I just couldn't pass up. There was so much excitement in Salmon Arm. It was, I couldn't pass up the opportunity to play for a brand-new team, and, and Gary did such a good job recruiting me, and uh, in the end, I think I made the, the right decision. Uh, what do you remember most from that first season? Uh, man, I, I think it was like just the excitement in the, in the city. It was, uh, we had the, the, the super fans, we call them, and, the, and they were there all, all the time, and people were painting their faces and, and wearing jerseys and, and dressing up for every game. And, man, those, the games against the Vipers – were even whether it be in Vernon or Seminar were, were incredible for the guys like in our age group to have have rivalry games like that. And, uh, yeah, it was it, so much fun. I got lucky with uh, some great uh, great housing family, uh, Brian and, and Lori Bingham, and, and it just made for an incredible season. Uh, what was it like for you to play in Vernon then? Of course, the big rival, and you're from Vernon. Can, do you have any memories from those games? Yeah, they were uh, they were intense. They were. <laughs> I mean, I grew up watching the the Lakers win Centennial Cups and the Vipers win win Royal Bank Cups and in that small old Civic Arena, and then they opened up the brand new arena in Vernon. And I mean, so we were playing whether it be in Salmon Arm or Vernon, we were playing in a brand new arena and close to sellouts every night. It was uh, for being an expansion team. I think we put up a pretty good fight, and we were a, we were a pretty good rival right from the start. Yeah, I mean, looking back, for, for a team in its first season, you guys were third in the division, um, in like a seven-team division, which is not bad at all. Do you remember what kind of made you successful, maybe your style? I imagine back then a lot of goals probably were scored. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was high scoring for sure. And um, we picked up a goalie at some point. Chris Clark came in at some point, And once we got a, a steady number one goalie, we I don't know, the guys just really got along really well. We had good chemistry. I remember we had a really good captain in, in Joey D'Amico. I think he was 19 or 20. and He came in, and for us, he was almost like a 25, 26-year-old, the way he was so mature. And, and he just was, he was able to lead us and, and keep us composed. And we just kind of had the opinion that who cares if we were an expansion team? Let's just go out and play. And I think uh, some teams took us lightly, and, and we were able to have a good season. Uh, do you remember – so the, the first ever playoff series, you guys took on trail. Uh, do you remember what the atmosphere was kind of like? I mean, you've obviously talked about lots of sellouts and crazy fans, but for a playoff game against Trail, the first playoff game, what was that moment like? Yeah, that was uh, that was a good good series. I think we we uh, were a little nervous, I think. But I one thing I remember is we we dyed our hair purple the whole team for the for the playoffs. So I remember doing that. <laughs> Inside of our helmets were had purple dye in them for the whole playoffs. And, uh, yeah, I think we were a little – that was the one time that whole season where I think maybe the guys were a little nervous about being in, being in an expansion team and first-time playoffs. But the atmosphere in the arena was, was incredible. The fans came out with full support. And I think the guys, we were, we were wishing we could have gave a little better effort. And we were, I think we were hoping we were going to win and maybe get to play Vernon in the, in the next round. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, of course, you ended up uh, heading to Michigan in the NCAA. I just want to know, though – from that season with the Silverbacks, uh, what was it about the league and maybe the style of play and, and that season? What helped you with the, the transition to the NCAA? Uh, I think just the, just the confidence, just knowing that I could, I could play. I mean, 
growing up in a, in a junior AC and I always looked up to all those guys playing for the Vipers and when I was, when I was young. So to actually play in the BCHL and, and then do as well as I did that year, it gave me the full confidence that I could, I could make the step into the college game. And uh, what do you remember about the city, like playing in the city and the community, stuff that you guys did around here? What stands out with, with the off-ice stuff? Yeah, I think the, I mean, we had incredible housing families. I mean, I didn't hear anyone ever complaining that whole first year. Just for, for a new city, for the, what Gary had to do to get everybody and, and talk to how many housing families to get them to take in 20, 20 22 guys. <laughs> To into their homes with kids and, and families it was it was pretty impressive and then just uh, it was small city but it was like everywhere you went everyone was so excited that they had a junior a team and <laughs> yeah i just a lot of tim hortons trips a lot of boston pizza and yeah. uh, <laughs> it was uh we had we had a good time we had some some good memories now you said uh your eagles teammates there's some you still keep in contact with is that the same for some of your silverback teammates yeah, some of them. I, I wish I could more, but uh, uh, I'm still really close with uh, with Adrian Vitamin and Kevin Vitamin from Sycamus and Salmon Arm and uh, Brent Shaw. I get in touch with him through group chats once in a while, and yeah, uh, Cody Bostock. He lives in he lives in Vernon now, but he's a Salmon Army. It was that was awesome to have like him and Trevor Galland, who were Salmon Arm minor hockey products. To have them as part of the the Salmon Arm Silverbacks that first year was was pretty special. Now, uh, you did head to Michigan the next year, but before we talk about uh, those four years there, how did the scholarship happen? Like, when did it happen, and who first got in contact with you? Yeah, that's, that's the credit goes to Gary Davidson. I, I always <laughs> tell people I, did, I didn't do very much. That, that was him, and I, I remember having a good start, and then uh, I went to Michigan and I was actually supposed to go to a visit to Brown University the next next week, and, and Gary called me into his office, and he said, uh, you're not going to Brown next week. And I was like, well, I already told them I was, and Gary said, no, no, Michigan already, you already went to Michigan. They, Red Berenson's a coach. They already offered you a scholarship. You're, you're taking that. You're, you're going to Michigan. <laughs> and so made it pretty easy, because I, I really loved my weekend in, in Michigan, and and going there and so it was a easy recruitment trip for <laughs> for me and I owe a lot of credit to Gary and uh, Billy Powers was the assistant coach at Michigan and those two pretty much did did all the legwork and I just played. <laughs> wow and what a program too and what a four years you had. Uh, can, can you just describe your freshman season? Um, what, what was the transition like from the Silverbacks then to the Wolverines? Uh, well, it was, that was a little difficult because I actually was supposed to play one more year in Salmon Arm and Mike Camilleri had left, uh, in the middle of probably end of July, start of August, left, uh, Michigan a year early to sign with the LA Kings. So Michigan called me and asked if I was ready to come and I'd already been out of school, high school for two years and Gary and, and Rylan, First year, they really wanted me to stay one more year, and we had a re we're going to have a really good team, and they did have a really good team either way that year. But uh, I just figured, I just thought I was ready. I was I was nineteen, and I was ready to move on and, and get back into school. I figured three years without high school and going into college was, <laughs> would make the academics a little tougher. So uh, 
it was a quick transition. Maybe that was for the best. I, I did it all of August, and by the end of August, I was already in Michigan preparing for class and, and the first year, first year of school. And in that freshman season, I mean, you guys won a CCHA championship, made the national semifinal, uh, an overtime 3-2 game, lost to Minnesota. But what do you remember most from that first season? Oh, just, yeah, being at Michigan, getting to put on, put on that helmet with the, with, the, with the wings on them. And, man, we, we made it all the way. We had such a good team, and we made it all the way to the Frozen Four. And, and if Minnesota didn't have uh, Thomas Vanek on their team, we, we probably would have won a national championship. But <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we had a really, really strong team. And uh, just, yeah, I've never really been spent too much time in the U.S., so for me it was a whole new whole new experience and, and the campus life I mean you think of University of Michigan you think huge school but and it is but it's a very small small campus feel which uh, which was a lot of fun a lot of people that you meet the first semester there you're, you end up being friends with for the for the next four years so it was a it was an incredible great four years that I had now uh, you guys did end up in your third year you won another CCHA championship uh, the regular season record was pretty impressive, 23-3-2. I just want to know, uh, was your freshman season winning the championship or your third year winning CCHA? Which one stands out more, if any of them do? Uh, probably the third year because, yeah, I played, I played a bigger part in that. And, man, that third, that third year team was the best team we had in four years. And, I mean, if you go down the roster, I don't know how many guys played in the NHL from that team, but it's, it might be double digits. It was uh, – pretty special team and we we had a three nothing lead in the quarterfinals to Colorado College and halfway through the game we ended up losing 4-3 and uh, I talked to a lot of friends and they all say like that team was so stacked and such a a national championship caliber team and we just that's with the NCAAs it's it's one game elimination and and that's what happens but that uh that was, <laughs> that was quite the team that we had that year. It was d- disappointing at the end. Uh, the next year, you were named captain, though, uh, for Michigan. What did that honor mean to you? Yeah, that was, uh, that was really special because I know I had the backing of the, the, the guys on the team and, and to have Red Berenson, a uh, guy, man of his stature, to name you captain of, of the Wolverines and to see the guys that have worn the sea on that team. It was... Uh, it was really special feeling for me. That's the one jersey that I uh, really hold dear to my heart, and uh, it's uh, it's still still don't can't put it into words sometimes. But it's pretty cool to walk around campus and people can talk to you or look at you, and they know that you're the, the captain of the hockey team. Uh, you mentioned lots of NHLers from those teams. Uh, just some of them here. Uh, Jeff Tambellini coached in Trail. <laughs> Uh, last season, he, of course, uh, played a big part in those teams. Matt Hunwick, Eric Nystrom, Jack Johnson, Andrew Cogliano, TJ Hensick. I'm probably missing some, but uh, from those guys, uh, are there anyone who you're, you're really close with? Maybe some of the guys who you played a few seasons with? Um, well, that, that year, my, uh, that year, technically, me and Eric Nystrom and Mike Brown were the, were the third line on our team. So that, that kind of shows you what kind of roster roster we had. We were, we were known as the checking line that year. So, but I got the chance to play with, with Brownie, with Mike Brown in, in a couple NHL cities. And yeah, I mean, I keep in touch. We do a, we do a golf trip every year. Um, there's, I think 11 of us, 10, 11 of us that played together at least three of those years. 
uh, Matt Hunwick, Kevin Porter. I mean, I lived with Kevin Porter for three summers the last couple of years when I go back to Michigan and train. And so I, it's a, it's a tight bond, the, the Michigan hockey connection. And uh, lastly about Michigan here, uh, obviously the bonds with the players. Is there anything else though that stands out when you look back at your four years there and you said how special it was, what else will you remember? Uh, I mean, I, I ended up two of my, two of my best friends were on the team too. The one, one of them, Noel Rudin, who I, he was a backup goalie for us four years in a row, and um, we lived together. I mean, I lived in Michigan from 2002 when I went to college, and I didn't move out till 2018. So I spent all my off seasons there. After every every NHL season, I went back there to live and to train and get ready for the next year. So it's a it's a pretty big piece of me, I think, is <laughs> Ann Arbor. For sure. Uh, now, after uh, your time at Michigan, you signed a pro contract, July 2006, uh, signing with the Ottawa Senators. Uh, what did it feel like to, to sign your first uh, professional contract? Yeah, it was, uh, it was really cool. I owe a lot to Red Berenson for that, too. He, I think he's the one. He won't, he won't admit it, but I think he's the one that got me the, the American League contract in, in, in Binghamton and uh, got me the invitation to go to Ottawa Senators camp, and it was uh, – just to be get in that locker room and skate with those guys, and they got like De- Daniel Alfredson and Jason Spezza, like <laughs> uh, Phillips, and uh, Wade Redden was there. It was a, uh, it was cool. And then to yeah, play play in Binghamton. I didn't know what to expect. I was kind of an extra, I think, going into it. And then a guy ended up getting hurt, and I got my chance to play on one of the top two lines. And and kind of the rest is history. I ended up having a really good year and, and being able to sign with, uh, with Anaheim at the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, AHL all-star in your first pro season. Um, what do you think, what ingredients went into you just taking it and running with it? Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I wasn't getting paid very much. I think I was making the, the league minimum in, in the American league. And I don't, I was considering weekly how, how I was going to live the next summer. Like what, I was going to have to get another job. I kept telling myself, like, if I don't have a good season, I'm going to need a summer job that doesn't involve playing hockey. Like, I won't be able to spend my time getting ready. So I was getting close. I think the, the coach told me at Christmas that he was going to – had planned to send me to the East Coast League at two or three games in because I was a healthy scratch and hadn't played. And then one of my good buddies got ended up getting hurt, <laughs> which gave me the opportunity. And I went in and, and just – I don't just started scoring right away. It just was a good fit, good fit with my line. And, and we weren't a very good team. I think we finished last that year in the American league, but, but for me, it gave me the opportunity to play a lot uh, and and in all situations. Uh, You mentioned uh, you did, of course, after that end up signing with the Anaheim Ducks the next season, Uh, stellar numbers again in the American league, but uh, let's talk about your NHL debut, February 22nd, 2008 uh, against the St. Louis blues. Uh, what do you think of, what do you remember when you think of your NHL debut? Uh, I think of like rushing to the airport from Portland <laughs> and flying across the country and, and making it. And then my parents getting the phone call from me and they both flew from, uh, I think they were in Vernon. So they flew out of Kelowna and made it. And then, yeah, I got to start. <laughs> I got to start the game with uh, Chris Kunitz and Tanu Salani. And that was my line for the game. And to take the opening face off, that was, <laughs> that was 
Pretty cool. I think I have a picture of my parents getting interviewed in the during the game on Fox Sports, and that's that's probably the picture I remember. Actually, I don't really remember much of the game. I just remember my my mom and my dad in the getting interviewed, and they both had big smiles. I might get you to to send me that picture if we can, and I'll add it in post for this interview if, <laughs> if you have it. Uh, that's pretty cool, though. Uh, now the two thousand eight two thousand nine season. Um, I feel like. It seemed to be a pretty big one. You had 32 points with the Ducks in just 48 games, uh, a pretty good playoffs. You guys, you played in all 13 playoff games for the Ducks. Um, the team also very, very similar to the, to the cup-winning team, Anaheim, of course. Uh, Getzlaff, Pronger, uh, Niedermeyer, those guys. Um, I just want to know, though, your first playoff goal, because you did score uh, in round one, game two, uh, against the Sharks, who you went, up to ups- went on to upset. What was it like to score a playoff goal in the National Hockey League? Yeah, that's probably one of my favorite NHL goals. And I got a couple of big ones in San Jose. For some reason, I played a lot of games in that, in that arena. I always thought maybe one day I would play for the Sharks because I always <laughs> played so many times against them. But, yeah, it was, uh, we were the eighth seed. We had barely snuck into the playoffs. We had a really good stretch. And San Jose was first in the West. They might have even been first in the league and, yeah, we played like the Ducks, like the same team that they had won the cup with. We just played strong and, and physical. And I was playing with uh, Bobby Ryan and Tamo Solani. And uh, Timo went down the right side and it kind of came around back of the net. And I, I banked it in off, off the goalie. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I'll, I'll always remember that goal. It was uh, to beat that team uh, in six. That was, uh, that was really, really special. And then the Detroit team was was incredible and to take them to seven and I think Danny Cleary scores with three or four minutes left in game seven to beat us and you're, you're like that we're this close but but I always remember that that was only two rounds and I remember how my body felt I had sprained my MCL in the Detroit series and kept playing through it and I the guys that have won the Stanley Cup to, to go two more rounds to, to play every second night for two months it's they they, they earn that uh, that party after the Stanley Cup that's for sure <laughs> uh, I realized here I did of course skip over I went to your first playoff goal but how about your first NHL goal which was of course uh, before that January second two thousand nine. Uh, I couldn't find video for this. So if you can, can you explain your first NHL goal? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, it's on my birthday, actually, my first NHL goal. So wow. <laughs> I'll, I'll remember that. That's pretty cool. And it was on, it was on the power play. And uh, it's – I don't know. Yeah, it would be tough to find video maybe. It's a Chris Pronger, Chris Pronger snapshot, I believe. And I tipped it in. And like a few of my goals, I think that everyone went to celebrate with, uh, with Pronger and I was in the corner celebrating by myself, but <laughs> I got, I got credit for the goal and yeah, to score on first NHL goal on my birthday. It's, uh, uh pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Can only imagine. Um, after that season, uh, with the ducks and, and that, that, uh, playoff series, uh, you played for a few more NHL teams, Chicago, Minnesota, Arizona. I just want to know, uh, kind of the difficulties are trying to stick at the NHL level, a few different teams in such a short amount of time. What was that kind of like for you those couple of years where you're in different cities uh, kind of all in a row? Yeah, it, it, it was a whirlwind. It was that uh, the next year was um, Anaheim had brought in Saku Koivu and, and Randy Carlisle didn't think I was big enough to play third and fourth line. He, he was more of a 
he had his top six guys and his bottom six guys and the bottom six were big, big bruisers and it didn't work out. And ironically, that's the rest of my NHL career. I played on the third and fourth line <laughs> only. So, uh, yeah, I'd never been really traded or released. And so you have to get used to that. That's the NHL life. You never, you, you never know when you're going up or going down or what line you're playing on and just kind of resiliency. What I, what I learned from it, just, yeah, once you go to Chicago and I, I knew I was only an injury replacement there and then I, I got wave, waved and Minnesota picked me up. So then you're just thinking I got to do something to, to stay. You got you to gotta find a way to stick out. And yeah, When I went to Minnesota, it was almost like I thought it was my last chance. So I figured if I got waved from them, then I'd probably be in the American League the rest of my career. And I think I scored my first game in Minnesota and got off to a good start and was able to finish the year out there and then uh, we couldn't agree on a contract so I ended up going to Arizona and then I had a played most of the year up there and then uh, I was on my honeymoon at the time with, with my with my ex-wife in, in Vancouver I got an email from my agent saying Vancouver wanted to sign me and I still I couldn't believe it because Vancouver I grew up I grew up a Flames fan but I grew up in BC so I I couldn't believe that I was going to play for the Vancouver Canucks. And so to play two years for them was, uh, was incredible to, to live in downtown Vancouver and have friends from high school come to the games and, and my family being able to drive to the games. It was, it was awesome. Uh, any other memories stand out then again? Yeah. Representing like your home province uh, in the NHL, uh, anything from those years stand out? Um, well, I had a couple bad injuries that stand out really well, which, which, uh, which sucked actually when because I was having so much fun playing there and and all that. But um, yeah, I guess I mean playoffs in Vancouver is incredible. We didn't have a very good playoffs, but to be able to skate out for a playoff game at uh, at the arena in downtown Vancouver was pretty cool. And a um, couple overtime goals that I'll always remember: one against San Jose, of course, <laughs> and one against Calgary. So those those for sure stick out. And yeah, just. Uh, same as like salmon arm like the atmosphere in, in Vancouver. I used to walk to the game some nights, and we walk on a Saturday night to the game, and people are already tailgating. They're already at the downtown, walking around in their jerseys, and, and to know that they're coming to watch you that night—that's <laughs> that's pretty special. Uh, now, after your time with the Canucks, uh, a couple more seasons uh, uh, in the Penguins organization, but then. Uh, then you made the decision to, to go over to Switzerland. Can you just talk me through uh, making that decision to leave North America and sign with uh, SC Bern? Yeah, I, I had been talking with SC Bern a couple years. Actually, before I went signed with Pittsburgh, it was, I was contemplating going over, and then Pittsburgh had called, and their assistant GM at the time was Jason Botterill, who was a, a Michigan guy. And uh, I couldn't pass up the opportunity to, to play with uh, – have a chance to play with, with Crosby and Malkin. <laughs> That's really what it came down to. I was going to go to Switzerland early and then to sign with them was, I, I had to try it. And I have a lot of good memories from Pittsburgh and Wilkes-Barre, but it was, it was tough. It was, I was living in a hotel in Pittsburgh in a hotel in Wilkes-Barre and I was just going back and forth every time I was called up or sent down. So after two years of living in a suitcase, um, I, I just I had to, I had to go I had to go to Switzerland I, I had it in my mind for the last few years and, and it looked awesome the pictures and talking with the GM here 
it was a it was an easy decision by by then. I wanted to here you have no nights in a ho- in a hotel. You're in your own apartment every night. Travel's easy, and and you get to see another part of the world. And uh, on the ice, what was the adjustment like to, to the European game, the European style? How, how does it differ, of course, the international ice? But how did you find it different? Yeah, it's, it's the bigger ice. It's, it's very fast. Swiss hockey is very fast. It's, um, it's in between the NHL and the American League. It's your top six forwards are extremely skilled. Most are very fast. They have tried the NHL. They've maybe been in-betweeners in like myself between the NHL and AHL and then your bottom six is a lot of younger guys trying to make the make the next step so you don't really have that big banging crashing fourth line your fourth line is usually two or three younger guys who are are close to having the skill to be a top six guy so it's a it's fast exciting hockey and the fans like in Switzerland the 11 or 12 of the teams they they sell out usually without corona going on but <laughs> they uh it's sellouts the fans are loud they half the team stands up half the fans stand up throughout the whole game and it's a, it's a lot of fun yeah so i was going to ask about that then the atmosphere at, at european games and uh big games in particular like is it just rocking the, the whole game through <laughs> yeah it's the it, i mean there's no music between between whistles it's the it's the fans standing up and some of them have drums and and they they whistle and it's uh, <laughs> it's it's wild. There uh, in Bern, we have the biggest rink in in Europe, so it's about seven, just over seventeen thousand. And I think ten thousand of them stand up. They have one side they call the wall, and they and they get there. It's all open seating, so you get there when the building opens. And in warmups, they're already chanting and and making music and yelling, and and they're ready for the game. Wow, that, that must be pretty cool uh, to play in front of that. Let, let's talk about uh, a little bit off the ice. Uh, moving to Switzerland, probably a little bit different, like culturally. Uh, what kind of stood out to you? Was, was there, there anything that surprised you or shocked you with the different way of living? Uh, no, it's a, good, it's a good quality of life. The biggest adjustment actually probably would be on Sundays when they, everything's closed. There's re- a few restaurants open, but no grocery stores, no shopping, and so for a hockey player, it's it's difficult because Sundays is usually your day off. You play uh, Tuesdays and Fridays and Saturdays. So Sundays, it's figuring out what you're going to do, but you you get used to it. You, sometimes when I'm back home now in, in Arizona, I, I go shopping on Saturdays because I'm like, oh, the stores are closed tomorrow. Then I have to readjust and be like, oh, no, they are open on Sunday. Here. <laughs> um, so five total seasons uh, with SC Burn. Three championships, and I guess three of four, because last year, of course, COVID ended the season early. Uh, which championship for you uh, is maybe the most memorable, and why? Oh, probably, yeah, that's it. That's tough. It's probably the first one, because I, actually, when I came to Bern, I played the first nine games, and I broke my leg uh, pretty bad. And I wasn't actually sure if I was going to play again. The doctor told me that he was not sure I was going to play again. He was going to see, he said I was going to have difficulties walking normal again. And I ended up rehabbing and doing everything I could to get back. I could have gone back to North America and gone home and just called it a season, but I stayed here and, and did the rehab. And I played the last few games of the regular season and we ended up finishing eighth in the last playoff spot. We, the second last game of the season, we won to get in and we ended up, 
beating Zurich, the, the one seed in which they had Austin Matthews on that team that year. We swept them in the first round, and then we we won the next two series in five games, and we won the championship first Swiss team ever as, a, as an eight seed. So it was a uh, – we had uh, – you name it, we had to go on that year. It was such a, a mess of a year, and we had – a coach fired and we had you only can play four imports in switzerland and you can sign up to eight we had all eight cards used up and <laughs> so yeah that was the the most memorable season and, and championship would have been that first one perfect uh you also of course uh played at the spangler cup for canada uh for those who, who maybe aren't too familiar with the spangler cup can you just explain first uh what it is uh, yeah, it's just a big tournament up in the, up in the mountains. I, I mean, I guess if you think, like, think of Whistler, it would be like having a big tournament up in Whistler over between Christmas and, and New Year's and the championships on New Year's Eve. Uh, there's six teams. There's the uh, most, the home team, and then there's four club teams from all over Europe. And then Team Canada always has a team where they use guys that play in Switzerland or Sweden, Germany, a couple American League players. And it's just a, it's an awesome time. It's first class and they have a tent set outside the arena and people ski in the mornings and then they watch two games in the afternoon, one game in the afternoon, one game at night. They have music playing every night. It's, it's a big party festival for a week long and every game sold out. The fans are awesome and it's, it's, it's fun hockey. It's, there's no, I mean, you have a little bit of systems, but the coaches are pretty much just play go have fun, impress the fans, try some new moves if you've got them. Like it's uh, it's high-paced hockey. And then the, the championship game's at like noon on New Year's Eve. And yeah, I was lucky enough. I got to play in three and we won two of them. So it was, uh, we lost in the final my last year. And it, my first year I didn't get to play because of the broken leg. And it was one of the biggest disappointments uh, because I'd never worn, played for Team Canada before. So the next year when I got that chance, it was, uh, it was unbelievable. Now, so to win two Spengler Cups, I just want to know, it sounds like the games uh, just go play. Was it almost more like to win a Spengler Cup in that scenario? How does that compare to winning kind of a league championship? I know, of course, it's not a whole season. But how does that compare? How did it feel like to win your first Spengler Cup? Yeah, it was fun. It was just because you had to, for a lot of us, guys playing in Europe like we don't get a chance to play for Team Canada ever so to to get that opportunity to represent your country and then we it's you're playing over here in different leagues where they don't speak not all the time English or something so it's it no one knows what junior A hockey and no one knows where the salmon arm silverbacks are so you get a chance to to talk with the guys the most fun actually for me is, is sitting in the locker room and just hearing the stories from the guys before or after the game and Usually you'll have a beer after the game in the locker room after a win and the guys sit around half-dressed and kind of tell stories from their club teams or tell stories from their junior days or college days. And uh, the camaraderie of the, the Canadian players is, is, is a lot of fun. And then you, when you win and then you got all, everyone has their families there for Christmas and their kids are wearing Canada jerseys. It's, it's, a, it's a big family atmosphere and Team Canada does an amazing job set it, setting it up. Now, 2017-18, uh, not only did you win a Spangler Cup with Canada, uh, and not only were you MVP in the National League in Switzerland, but you played at the Olympic Games for Canada. So Spangler Cup is one thing. <laughs> Olympic Games, probably another kind of feeling. I just want to know, 
So when you heard that you were chosen for Team Canada at the Olympics, what first went through your mind? Uh, <laughs> I did it, I guess. It was, <laughs> it was uh, I don't know. At that point, it was more, I had put so much work in and I had, I, I was feeling the pressure that I didn't want to tell anybody that I didn't make it, I think. <laughs> I didn't want to have to call my parents or, or call my buddies back home. And I think everybody was thinking, oh, you have a chance, you have a chance. And I said, yeah, yeah, but we have to wait and see. And I didn't want to make the disappointing phone call. So when I got the call from, uh, from the guys and Sean Burke and everyone at Hockey Canada, it was, uh, oh, it was such a relief because it was such a stressful time. We started, I think I played like a hundred games that season with including the Olympics and all the preparation tournaments. And we were in Sochi and Helsinki and Riga, Latvia. And then I remember um, Sean Burke telling me that Spengler Cup was going to decide pretty much like if I had made the team or not. And so I knew going up, usually you're, you're relaxed at the Spengler Cup and you kind of, it's like a break and you can have fun. But that tournament was full on <laughs> stress for me. So, and I, I had a good, a good tournament and I felt confident that I was going to make the team, but you never know until you get that, until you get that phone call and you don't know what they're thinking in that room. And I knew I was on the bubble. And when I got the call, I was downtown burn with some friends. Actually, I was having a beer downtown <laughs> in the afternoon at a, at one of the small cafes. And I got the call and saw the number was from Calgary and, I knew then, then I, I finally, I, I made it. <laughs> uh, can you take me through the journey kind of, of those Olympic games? You guys ended up winning a bronze medal, uh, but kind of take me through kind of the, the tournament as it progressed. Yeah. Well, like I said before, the process was, was so long and, and stressful and, and then the Olympic games happened and they said it was going to go by fast, but it went by like, snap of the fingers and all of a sudden I was on a plane going back to Switzerland to, to finish our season. <laughs> wow. But we, we, uh, yeah, we met in, in Riga, Latvia, and then we flew as a team to, to Korea from there. And the first week we just had practices and we actually were allowed just to, we saw some events and kind of got used to everything and team Canada did. They set up our rooms. Like they've had pictures of our family there. They had our, bedrooms and blankets set up in Canada gear and uh it was it was really opening ceremonies was awesome because we had 11 players from my burn team from Switzerland that were uh or 13 actually I think that were at the Olympics so I had 12 of my teammates from from SC Bern in the opening ceremonies with me and then once the tournament started it was just game mode I mean I barely my parents were staying in my family was staying in um, Seoul so it was like a two-hour train ride away and so they were training back and forth for every game. And so I barely saw them. It was, it was just strictly game mode. And I actually took a Charlie horse real bad in the second game against the Czech Republic. And my leg went black and blue. And I had to miss one game. And I had to take some pain, pain pills to get through the rest of the tournament. But there was no way I was, I was not playing. And <laughs> but we ended up playing uh, Finland in the quarterfinals. And that was one of the toughest games I've ever played and it was the most intense hockey game I think I played in my in my career and we we won one nothing and it was huge and then we ended up playing so bad in the first period against Germany in the semifinals and I think the second and third period we were in their zone the entire 40 minutes <laughs> and we came up one goal short 
And one of the most disappointing, probably couple, few hours of my career for sure, because we win that game, we're playing Russia for the gold medal at the Olympics, which I think there's a lot of Canadians, <laughs> dream hockey players that dream about something like that. And to miss out on that because we had a bad first 20 minutes was, uh, was extremely disappointing. But uh, we talked about it, and I think Sean Burke, the general manager, said, hey, guys, like we still have a bronze medal to win, and 20 years from now, if you can tell your kids and your grandkids and your family that you won a bronze medal at the Olympics, that's, uh, I think that's worth it. So we turned it around, and were able to pull through and beat the Czechs for the, for the bronze, and it was, everyone was happy. There's only two, two happy teams, they say, the, the gold medal winners and the bronze medal winners. So yeah. we, we were lucky enough to be one of those two. Uh, now, there, there's a fan question that's similar to this, and it, just uh, a little bit more about the Olympic experience. So a uh, former Silverback director of marketing, uh, Josh Gordon, actually says he remembers uh, meeting you in Pyeongchang, uh, and he just wants to hear a little bit more about your experience. So maybe what the Athletes Village was like, and you mentioned your family, so your family was over there, but what kind of stands out uh, maybe off the ice with your experience uh, in Pyeongchang? Oh, well, just, it was living in the, you live in like a dorm room. So I had three roommates on the team, um, Derek Roy and Rene Bork and Lyndon May. So to hang out with them for two weeks in the room, it was pretty cool. And like you, yeah, you're living in the athlete village. So it's, you eat together and it's, it's weird. You'll be playing, say, Finland in the quarterfinals and you're having pregame meal in the, in the cafe. And then the Finnish team walks in. And they're sitting two tables down from you, and you guys are facing each other <laughs> six hours later. So it's pretty, uh, it, yeah, it reminded me of college a little bit because you get to see for the junior guys, they didn't get that experience, but you, you see the other athletes. You see the, we had home, the rooms where we'd hang out. So you'd see the figure skaters, or you'd see the guys, the bobsled guys, and you kind of chit chat with them. And, and I mean, for some of those sports, that's their, that's their everything. That's what they worked four years for. I mean, we worked hard for a year to get there. We have our own league, though, and our own club team. Like, for some of those athletes, that's it. That's their event. They worked four years for that. So to, for me to see it from that perspective was, was really fascinating for me. Uh, another uh, fan question, just going to ask here on, on a different note. Uh, so Garrett on Twitter asks, um, are you a jersey guy, like a jersey collector? Do you have jerseys? from your hockey journey and uh, do you keep mementos? Oh, I'm not a huge Jersey guy. I played with a lot of guys. They'd always get jerseys from the other, from the other team on game days, but I never, I've got, I was trying to talk to someone the other day. I've got all of my jerseys, I think, except for my Anaheim Ducks jersey, which is <laughs> my first NHL jersey, but I, I don't think I ever got it or, or maybe someone else has it. I've been meaning to track it down, but that's the one that I'm missing from my own. Um, I don't collect a lot. I have Sidney Crosby's jersey signed. I had, that's one that I had to get done. And then I have a, a Jamie Benn Dallas Stars jersey signed. So those would be the two, the two NHL ones that I, that I collect. Uh, just to, to wrap up here, uh, this has been great so far, but I just want to know uh, your advice perhaps for junior players as someone who has uh, had a successful professional career. Uh, what advice would you kind of uh, tell uh, to, to younger players here who want to play pro as well? Oh, well, I, my nephew's 11 right now and he's, uh, 
he's in Cochrane, Alberta, just outside of Calgary. And I tell my sister all the time, just make sure he's having fun. That's like, especially nowadays, I feel like the parents and coaches, they put so much pressure on these, on these kids. And especially at a young age, I mean, my parents did such a good job with, they just told me to have fun. As long as I wasn't, don't, don't snap your stick. Don't break your stick and get mad. Don't slam your stick on the ice. Just enjoy the game, have fun. And yeah, don't take no for an answer. I mean, I've been, <laughs> I've been told no plenty of times. I think at every level in my career, I was told I was, I was told I wasn't big enough to play, strong enough to play in junior B. And then I was told I never played in the BCHL because I wasn't big enough. And, I mean, the list goes on. Every level I went to, I was, I was told I was too small. So don't take no for an answer. Just keep, keep trying, keep working hard. And, and really enjoy enjoy the game because you, you don't know when it's going to end. I've I've learned that the hard way lately. So <laughs> you really don't know. Perfect. No, uh, thank you so much. That's it. Uh, uh, before we run out of the Zoom time, <laughs> but uh, thank you so much, Andrew, for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. That was fun.